0: Welcome to the Opium Den. I'm Daniel Williams. Well, I want to send out an apology tonight to my faithful listeners for not being on air last Thursday night. But I was uh, sick as a dog and uh, just couldn't, couldn't bring myself to hook everything up and try to make sense. I was not too particularly drugged up, but I was... I was not, uh, not feeling myself, but now this a week later, I'm feeling uh, feeling pretty good. So I appreciate everybody for hanging in with me and, uh, and coming back tonight. As usual, we'd like everybody to, uh, to think about giving us a call. Our number here is 727-493-2205. And tonight we'll be talking about um, a couple of things. We'll be talking about the Marijuana Policy Project sex scandal. So, if you've got an opinion on that, uh, share it with everybody inside uh, the opium den. And we'll also be talking about the recent passage into law in New Jersey, uh, signed by outgoing Governor Corazine, making New Jersey the 14th state in 14 years to. Uh, have a medical marijuana laws on their books so we'll be talking about those those two things and as I usually do at the top of the hour I give you a brief weather report uh, down here in Southwest Florida we have had some uh, pretty uh, pretty good weather of late you know we had a spate of, of really cold weather for us I know it sounds like sour grapes to all of you up north that are <laughs> freezing your balls off, but it was uh, it was cold for us, for us down here in Southwest Florida. But that passed as it normally does every year, and now we're into the the million-dollar weather, the weather that all of you snowbirds pay so heavily to enjoy during the winter. And uh, an update on Bahamas, she's doing well. Uh, no uh, no recurrence of her of her uh, hematoma in her ear and we haven't had any rainstorms so she hasn't been been medicated so Bahama is doing doing just fine and this evening here inside the studio I have a very good friend of mine here Uh, we'll just call him groundswell but uh, groundswell has been been my uh, almost exclusive tripping buddy for the past two decades. And, uh, whenever either one of us have the good fortune to run across some LSD, uh, we buy it and then we get together and trip the light fantastic. So groundswell was down this week and, uh, we had some, some blotter acid, uh, four hits, uh, four hits of blotter. And, uh, we decided that we would take uh two hits each mainly because most of the ladder acid we've seen in the past 10 or 15 years has been uh pretty low potency per uh per hit so uh ground swallow and I uh we've been we've been doing LSD like I said together for a couple of decades and uh individually we've been doing it for uh, over 40 years so we've got a little bit of experience in, uh, in that area. But I'm going to ask Groundswell to uh, pipe in. And uh, what did you think of that uh, ad that acid, uh, Groundswell? You can, you not even can, have to get up, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I think the microphone will pick you up over there in the corner. But uh, what do you think about that LSD we took on Tuesday?
1: Well, it was very weak, but it did have a little tinge of what the experience would have been. Uh, gave us time to exercise, ride bicycles, and do different things that we haven't done in the a while. throw baseball around uh, get our senses sharpened a little bit and uh, wish it would have been stronger, but at least it was something
0: yep uh, something is uh is pretty charitable. I think we both agreed that it was d minus acid as far as uh this potency and uh, trip was concerned, but like groundswell said, we did get a a little buzz out of the deal nothing major just a little uh little heightened awareness made throwing the baseball around a little more fun and we took a bike ride about a 10 mile bike ride around the community where i live so it wasn't a total loss but what has happened to the LSD out there kiddies back in our time and i hate to say back in the day but back in the early days of of LSD it was it was virtually impossible to to buy LSD of such low potency, it was all 300 milligram or microgram, 300 microgram or more, and uh, one tab, one one piece of blotter, one piece of window pane. Uh, really, really gave you an excellent hallucinogenic experience. So, if any of you listeners out there have had recent experience with LSD and find that the potency per tab or per per hit uh, is kind of low, give us a call. We'd love to talk to you, 727-493-2205. So after that uh, small digression, let's get back into uh, our topics of the evening. And uh, we're going to start off with the, uh, the sex scandal over at the Marijuana Policy Project. I don't know if, uh, if many of you have, have been following this or not, but it's had a few, uh, a few mentions in the mainstream media. And uh, oddly, there has been very little, if any, mention on uh, the drug policy reform blogs about, uh, about the scandal that has erupted inside of our ranks. I think that silence is rather strange, and we're going to, to talk about that this evening as well. But for those of you who are not completely aware of what's going on, we'll kind of okay. recap it for you here. Rob Campia. Uh, He's the co-founder and the executive directory, uh, director of the Marijuana Policy Project, um, who got his start, by the way, uh, working for Normal. And uh, as I've been reading through all the uh, the comments on some of the uh, the story blogs uh, regarding uh, the scandal, apparently uh, Rob Campia, and I had heard this, but uh, it seems to be uh, more than anecdotal and somewhat confirmed by Uh, various accounts that when Rob left uh, normal, uh, he photocopied all of the internal uh, records as far as uh, members and things of the like to help him uh, get a start over at the Marijuana Policy Project. But anyway, the story is that um, this past August, uh, MPP had a little get-together after hours at a uh, Washington, D.C., uh, watering hole, and uh, after the the little get together, Rob uh, Campia took one of his subordinates, uh, one of the young women that worked for the Marijuana Policy Project, uh, took her home after the uh, the little drink fest, and by all accounts, uh, they their sex they had was consensual, so uh, no one has. Uh, Accused Rob Campia of an illegal act, but uh, certainly his his judgment uh, has been impaired or was impaired. But the uh, kind of the backstory on this <clears throat> is that um, this is not an isolated incident. Uh, maybe the consensual sex aspect uh, is is slightly isolated, uh, but apparently Rob has uh, has been. Uh, has used language uh, inappropriate, and uh, was hitting on a lot of the, uh, the f- young uh, female staff at uh, the marijuana see, marijuana-, see, marijuana policy project. Apparently, this has been a long-standing uh, awkwardness over at uh, MPP, and uh, it culminated, uh, like I said, back in August when uh, Ron had consensual Rob had consensual sex with a uh, with a subordinate. And apparently the, um, the, the department heads uh, at the Marijuana Policy Project uh, unanimously recommended to the board that uh, due to this incident, uh, Rob should, uh, should step aside. And when nothing uh, came of that, uh, a number of employees felt that it was necessary to bring this uh, scandal to light so there 's been a number of um, resignations, and uh, people have quit uh, as a result of uh, this uh, scandal over at the marijuana policy project now there 's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, pros pros and cons on uh, on the in the blogosphere uh, comments on uh, on this scandal um, all These comments have come from uh, from the high Times uh, Article and the uh, the Washington Post article. Uh, None of the drug policy reform uh, uh, leaders or anyone in the uh, in the hierarchy of uh, drug policy reform has made any mention of this, which I find uh, rather odd. But we'll get uh, we'll get into that uh, a little bit more. So uh, you know the kind of the thing kind of blew up over at uh, MPP. Uh, with uh, staff resignations and leaks to High Times and uh, the Washington Post about uh, what was perceived to be uh, a cover-up. Now, uh, the Marijuana Policy Project is primarily funded by a philanthropist by the name of Peter Lewis. Now, Mr. Lewis uh, is a billionaire. And he is the uh, CEO of Progressive Insurance. I'm sure you've seen their commercials on TV. Well, I'm not sure you have because I don't know how many people still watch TV anymore. but uh, Progressive Insurance is a uh, is a uh, national insurance company uh, started by Peter Lewis's father, and uh, Peter Lewis has uh, taken over the company and uh, Progressive has done quite quite well, and Mr. Lewis is a uh, Philanthropist of uh, of, uh, of of note and merit, he has given away uh, tens of millions of dollars, and he is the primary funder of the marijuana, marijuana policy project, uh, which has a budget of approximately six million dollars a year. So more than likely, uh, Peter Lewis gives you know seventy-five to eighty percent of that uh, funding each year. So the, the what what was what's uh, kind of interesting about this. Um, it's been going, you know, it's been percolating over the, uh, marijuana policy project since, uh, August, there have been these, uh, you know, rumblings and, uh, undercurrents of dissent. So it's been, uh, it's been an issue there for, uh, for some time. It's only been an issue in the, uh, in the public arena for, uh, about a week to 10 days. At first, the information was kind of sketchy, and it was all on background and anonymous postings and the like. But finally, we have had a uh, official statements from Peter Lewis, speaking for the uh, the board of the uh, of MPP, and a statement by uh, Mr. Rob Campia himself. Now, <clears throat> what uh, what what <laughs> what I find fascinating about these statements and we 'll get to to each one, but we 'll start off with the the statement that uh, Rob Campia made now Rob uh, is quoted as as saying that uh, you know he regrets he regrets any uh, any actions that uh, that have led to uh, to this to the scandal and uh, is embarrassed that it has overshadowed what he considers the good work of the marijuana policy project but what's what struck me as as completely uh, tone deaf and naive in Rob's in Rob's statement he said that uh, <laughs> and I quote that this was only the uh the second time that he had had sex with a subordinate so you know there's a there's a relief he's only uh he's only uh, had sex with uh, two marijuana policy project employees but uh, the, the most outrageous the most incredulous part of his statement was that rob uh, blamed his behavior on the fact that he believed he was, <clears throat> and this is another direct quote hypersexualized now, aside from not knowing what the fuck hypersexualized means, it seems absolutely stupid that someone charged with uh, having sex with a subordinate would blame it on the fact that he was uh, hyper hypersexualized so i 'm thinking you know he 's had all this time to uh, to mull over his his response and how he was going to to handle this when it uh, when it became public, and uh, I find it absolutely incredible that the best that he could come up with was that hey man it was only the second time I banged one of my employees and and by the way it's just because I'm I'm hypersexualized <laughs> so uh, you know. Kudos to, uh, to Rob Campia for uh, thinking quickly on his feet on, on how, how he felt was best to uh, to address his indiscretions over the Marijuana Policy Project. But then we have Peter Lewis, uh, as I mentioned, Peter is the uh, CEO of Progressive Insurance and the primary f- funding agent for the Marijuana Policy Project. So in, in, uh, in Mr. Lewis's statement, he said that uh, even though uh, what Rob did was not uh, technically illegal, uh, nor was it against the company policy, which, by the way, has, has, uh, has been amended, and they do now have a, a sexual harassment policy, which was uh, missing for all the years that the Marijuana Policy Project has been a 501c3 uh, nonprofit. So uh, aside the fact that uh, Mr. Lewis felt it was uh, important to point out that Rob technically had done nothing illegal and, uh, and it was not against company policy, they felt that it was, uh, his actions were inappropriate. So with their resolution uh, was that uh, Rob Campia would, would go through uh, 90 days of sensitivity training and at the end of those 90 days if rob had uh, could demonstrate uh, a change in his behavior which i mean i don't know what uh, you know <laughs> how you prove that kind of shit how how do you prove that you're that you're more sensitive to women and that you're uh, you're no longer uh, hyper sexualized i mean did they cut one of his balls off or what, what you know? What did they do? Did they, you know, like a like a dog, a male dog, they they neuter him. I mean, how are they going to uh, verify that he's no longer hypersexualized or that he all of a sudden has found religion and realizes that you just can't uh, you can't act that way around uh, female subordinates or even females in general, but uh, specifically to this case, uh, female subordinates. So there you have uh, the two statements by. Peter Lewis, the, found, the uh, primary financier of the Marijuana Policy Project, and Rob Campia, the co-founder and current (well, not so current) executive director of MPP, uh, explaining to to the public how they have um, decided to to handle this uh, particular internal issue. Now, we've had uh, Marijuana Policy Project has had approximately. Uh, eight, seven or eight staffers resign either directly or indirectly related to this, to this little scandal. So, um, I don't know what to make of it. Uh, you know, we weren't there. We don't have, uh, all the facts per se, but it appears that all the facts, all the pertinent facts have been uh, detailed by, uh, Peter Lewis and by uh, Rob Campia. So I guess it's one of those deals where, uh, it's not so much, he said, she said, it's what she said is what he did and, uh, what he did, he has admitted. So, um, what we have, uh, today, actually, uh, yesterday, uh, Jacob, uh, Solemn over at, uh, Reason, uh, good magazine, by the way, uh, very good magazine. Um, he wrote a, he wrote a piece on the, on the blog and, uh, he is, he was reporting on this incident and he says that, uh, Rob has uh, stepped down temporarily and possibly indefinitely in the wake of this, uh, sex scandal involving inappropriate, uh, sexual remarks and, uh, conduct. So, uh, high times, uh, broke the story and, uh, they had an online article by uh, David Birkenstock and uh, Richard Cusick that, uh, you know, quoted several of the staffers and uh, and got the story uh, out into the public. Um, now, there was there's one fellow in, involved in this story by the name of Bruce Merkin. Uh, by all accounts, I've not met Bruce. I've met Rob on several occasions, but I've not met uh, Bruce Merkin. But apparently he has been there for seven or eight years, and he was the MPP's communications director and By all accounts uh Bruce is a pretty stand up guy uh he's been a tireless worker for m p p for you know, seven or eight years and uh, uh he's one of the uh one of the individuals that uh decided to uh, resign over this scandal and uh here's what he told high times he says uh, None of us who left MPP over its handling of this incident take any pleasure in this situation. MPP is an important organization whose work literally saves lives. Which means it's critical that MPP's board use this period to take a thorough, fearless look at the whole sequence of events, including both the August incident and the way it was handled, and act to preserve the organization's integrity. Well, I'm not so sure um, the organization's integrity is going to be preserved, and I have a, I have uh, I have friends who don't believe that the marijuana policy project has much integrity to begin with. Although, uh, whenever you see anything on on TV about medical marijuana or the the laws in certain, in the states that are trying to put, put medical marijuana on the books, generally it has been Rob Campia who's gotten uh, most of the uh, the TV. FaceTime so uh, I don't know what you what some of your thoughts are on uh, on how best to uh, to move forward here I got a quick wait a minute can't well, I couldn't hear groundswell very well when he's not near the mic okay this is a an email comment so uh, thank you out there well if, if groundswell makes any more comments tonight we'll get him uh, we'll get him closer to the mic um, but thank you for that uh, little bit of information. Um, and maybe Graswell <laughs> doesn't want to be heard that, heard that much tonight. But anyway, uh, we'll, we'll get him closer to, uh, to the desk over here. But uh, give us a call and tell us what you think about it. If you got an opinion about this uh, sex scandal at MPP, the number is 727-493-2205. Or, and if, you're, uh, if you have a Skype account, you can call us uh, computer to computer. Uh, my Skype ID is the new libertarian. So, okay, that's the that's the sex scandal over there, and you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and and, and all of that. But you would think that an organization, especially one dealing with uh, a fairly sensitive issue, would uh, would try to maintain a certain uh, amount of decorum uh, inside their uh, inside their company. And I think it's, uh, you know, most people have heard the expression, you don't shit where you eat. And that basically means uh, you shouldn't have uh, sex, whether consensual or, well, consensual sex, if it's not consensual, it's rape. But you shouldn't have sex with uh, with your subordinate employees. It's just, uh, it's a stupid thing to do. And uh, I don't really think there's there's much excuse for uh, Rob Campia's behavior. Uh over at MPP. Apparently, he has uh, a long-standing reputation of being somewhat of an inappropriate uh, man when it comes to uh, the young female staffers and interns at the Marijuana Policy Project. It is my belief that um, whether MPP does good work or is really known outside of a small circle of people, uh, that Rob Campia should no longer uh, serve in any official capacity at the marijuana policy project. Uh, his belief is that if he leaves, uh, Peter Lewis will leave and, uh, and take his money with him. And there's always the possibility of that. But if, uh, the marijuana policy project, uh, is worthy of all of the praise they have received over the past few years, then uh, the organization will exist and carry on, uh, without Rob Campia or, uh, the money uh, that Peter Lewis brings to the organization, but that remains to be seen. but what I find uh, most most odd about the whole situation, and again you know outside of the sex, outside of the stupidity, outside of of everything that is just wrong about this about this scandal uh, the biggest uh, uh, the biggest thing i 'm uh, I'm, uh, concerned with is that no one inside of drug policy reform has made, uh, any mention of this, uh, of this sex scandal. It's like everybody is just, uh, whistling past the graveyard and, and not, uh, and, and not acknowledging, uh, this problem that we have. Now, I don't want to make it uh, on par with, with other types of scandals, but you have to look at, uh, uh, the Catholic Church and the, and the priests, the pedophile priests, uh, they kind of swept that under the rug for decades until it uh, until it blew up. And it looks as though uh, the the official leaders of the drug policy reform movement uh, have yet to make any uh, any statement or any comment regarding this. Uh, I don't know if they're actually circling the wagons around uh, Rob Campia but they are certainly uh, uh, very, very quiet, quiet on the issue. Where is, uh, where's Ethan Nadelman or Alan St. Pierre? Where are they, Uh, uh, Jack Cole, the the founder of the LEAP? Where, where are these guys on this issue? Why haven't they not made, uh, made any statements uh, regarding this? Because certainly, uh, certainly it is not uh, it is not good news for for drug policy reform we certainly don't like to give our uh, our opponents the prohibitionists we certainly don't like to give them any uh, any additional ammunition to uh, to uh, to fire back at us and i can't see as how this is going to uh, to play very well uh, inside drug policy reform and I certainly expect uh, Calvina Fay, who is the spokeswoman for the Partnership for a Drug-Free America, I can just uh, see that uh, the headlines on some of their uh, email alerts to their to their uh, faithful followers. So I'm pissed that uh, that Ethan Nadelman, Alan Saint Pierre, and even uh, even even my friend Pete Geither, who run who writes the what I think is the best drug policy blog on the on the internet, uh, Drug War Rant, uh, Drug Warrant or Drug War Rant uh, is uh, how do you find it dot uh, com. Uh, Pete has uh, has stated on the blog that he's going to he's uncomfortable with this and that uh, he's going to let the dust settle a little more before he writes uh, he writes his uh, his story on this. And if you go over to uh, Stop the Drug War, uh, another really bright, sharp group, uh, they uh, have—they are conspicuously silent uh, as well uh, when when it comes to this issue. So, um, why is that? Uh, Why do you why do you think our our drug policy reform leaders have yet to to comment uh, on this sex scandal? Now you know they all know about it, obviously and I uh, just have to wonder what they're, what they're saying behind closed doors because they're certainly not saying it out on the front steps. They're taking uh, absolutely no proactive uh, measures to, uh, to blunt the, uh, the effects. But I have, I have a friend who uh, I've been communicating back and forth with the past couple of days, a uh, frequent uh, guest uh, here on the, uh, inside the Opium Den, Brian Bennett. And uh, Brian is of the opinion that the marijuana policy project and most of the uh, incrementalists out there uh, aren't really all that important in the in the larger picture. They may have, uh, you know, some uh, some core fans and those in the choir that uh, that we're always preaching to, but Brian doesn't doesn't believe that. Uh, organizations like the marijuana Policy project really uh, really do that much good out there, and i 've read some of the comments on on uh, some of the blogs regarding this story the Washington, you know The Washington Post and high times um, that uh, that uh, believe that the marijuana policy project ha- has actually been uh, been a detriment to the drug policy reform movement uh, specifically in the way that they uh, Write write the write the legislation the laws for some of these states and what they propose on, on how best to uh, implement uh, medical marijuana. So my friend Brian, it'll be interesting to see if this doesn't if this really goes nowhere and and uh, doesn't become uh, a big deal, then maybe he's right. Maybe the marijuana policy project uh, isn't on the uh, the national radar screen as much as the. Uh, as drug policy reform leaders would like to believe, um, but you never know. So uh, Brian, uh, Brian may be right; uh, he may be wrong. But I've got a lot of respect for Brian's opinion. So we'll see if how the how this plays out. If it uh, uh, stays uh, under the radar, or uh, it blows up into a into a, a mainstream media uh, story, I would probably suspect that it won't. Uh, I think there's a certain you know, conspiracy, complicency inside uh, the mainstream media, which tends to be more liberal-oriented than conservative, uh, you know, your CNNs, your MSNBCs, I would think that uh, their conspiracy to remain silent on this issue uh, will probably uh, win out and we won't see much from them. Um, I haven't seen anything on, uh, on Fox with regard to this yet, but... Uh, Maybe on a slow news day, they'll they'll take up the issue and and uh, throw, throw their two cents in. But um, as a as a as a movement, uh, drug policy uh, reform leaders uh, need to need to take uh, a a very uh, hard look at uh, what's going on at the marijuana policy project. And I think they also need to take a very hard look at uh, how medical marijuana. Uh, whether or not medical marijuana has been a uh, has been an effective strategy in moving the drug debate forward, which takes us into our second topic of the evening, and that's uh, New Jersey. Yesterday became the 14th state uh, in the United States to have uh, passed medical marijuana laws, So, uh, some tepid applause for that. Because I'm not so sure that uh, 14 states in 14 years um, is all that much to uh, to write home about. Faithful listeners inside the opium den know that I'm not a fan of the incremental approach, and that, in fact, I believe it has uh, has been a uh, has been a detriment to uh, to advancing the uh, the drug debate uh, forward. 14 states in 14 years, and we're just talking uh, medical marijuana. Uh, those who, oh, we have a call coming in. So we're going to, oh Brian, he's probably pissed. So here we go. Hello, Brian.
2: Hey, Daniel, how are you? I'm
0: doing well, my friend. How are you?
2: Hanging in there. Hey, uh, can you hear my phone buzzing like crazy?
0: Yeah, I got a little buzz in my ear here.
2: Cramp. Um, can I call you back on a different line? Yeah, sure. I have a big phone problem, sir. I've been trying to call for about five minutes, but the technology.
0: Yeah, that buzz is too bad. Yeah, try to give me a buzz back on another, on another line.
2: Fantastic. All right, a couple minutes. Okay. All right, bye.
0: Well, that didn't work out so well, but uh, Brian will give us a call back, and, and we'll, let, we'll let Brian uh, tell us whatever he feels like, and I, I know he's going to probably want to talk about the marijuana policy project scandal. But, so we'll, get, uh, we'll give Brian a few minutes to call back. But, uh, like I said, uh, outgoing Governor Corzine has uh, signed the New Jersey Medical Marijuana Law uh, onto the books, making New Jersey the 14th state uh, in in the past 14 years to put medical marijuana on the books. Now, before I get uh, any more emails and, and nasty grams, I am not against medical marijuana. I believe it is a heartless government that denies its sick citizens a medicine of proven efficacy like cannabis so i am all for uh marijuana as a medicine i just do not believe that it is the right strategy to take to move the drug debate forward the number of people who legitimately uh should uh use cannabis as a medicine and again you know there's a lot of gray areas here but primarily Medical marijuana was sold for, uh, for those who had very serious and debilitating uh, illnesses. Oh, now we're going to give Brian. Brian's call back, so uh, let's see how we're doing here. Brian.
2: Can you hear me now?
0: <laughs> I can hear you now. You must be on that Verizon network.
2: Um, well, I live on the stick, so I think it's probably some kind of uh, squirrel-operated network.
0: I don't know. Uh, probably so. So what's on your mind tonight, Brian.
2: A uh, multitude of things, as usual, uh, especially the part where you were talking about acid.
0: Ah. <laughs>
2: Personally, I couldn't give a crap about Rob robbing the MPP bullshit. But, yeah, well, that's cool. I understand do that. I some comments, as usual. I can't stop myself. Um, the, the bottom line to me is that absolutely I believe the guy should step down just as a, as a matter of integrity. Uh, when, you, when you're put into a position of responsibility and power, you have to live that. And if you can't, then you have to step aside. That's just the way it works.
0: Let's talk, let's talk about acid. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. <laughs> fuck
0: Rob Campia. <laughs>
2: well, fuck acid, man, anymore. You, know, I, you guys are right. It, it sucks. It's bullshit. I don't know what the hell they're talking about when they claim they've been tripping. They have not. Uh, you, you, you can't eat enough of that stuff to, to trip properly. Well, you obviously could.
0: Yeah, if this is what's being passed off as tripping, the, these, you know, the, these young kids today don't know what the fuck they're missing.
2: Oh, they're, they're totally fucked. But, you know, it's a pro and con kind of a thing in a way, though. If you look back at when we were doing it, uh, when it was good, um, it was so powerful that if you were not, you know, really comfortable with yourself, you, you might have a, a risk of running a bad time. Uh, so by having lower doses, it's probably making it uh, easier for people to not wig out and not get an overdose if they're not really properly prepared for doing that kind of an experience. So the only downside to the whole thing in general would be that, for you know, if we had a legal regulated market, everyone would know what they were getting. Us old timers could do as much as we think is appropriate, <laughs> and the youngsters could get their training wheels on and they would know exactly what they were getting.
0: Well, that's that's a good point, and, and uh, I got my friend Nick Sand. Uh, I think you know who Nick was. He's or is he's that anthropologist, '60s anthropologist turned chemist who made some of the best lsd is uh, still considered some of the best lsd ever made and i was never got any of it oh well, my first hit was uh, was a nick creation uh, orange awesome. sunshine and when i met him in switzerland uh, he corrected me i always thought it was 250 micrograms but we were when we were in switzerland for albert hoffman's 100th birthday we met. We met for the first time, and, and Nick corrected me and said it was uh, three hundred mics. So <laughs> I, I, I'm glad to be. I'm glad to stand corrected on, on that issue. But he, was a, well, he was a. Good. Yeah, he was a guest uh, inside the Opium Den. and We talked about just what we were talking about now, the uh, the low dose uh, issue out there, and uh, he said that uh, he he believes he, he believes the reason that we're seeing uh, such low dose uh, individual. know blotter is that one it's not as easy to get the materials anymore uh two it's not uh so therefore it's not as clean as it used to be and since they're able to make less of it they're able to you know maybe put uh, anywhere from 35 to 55 micrograms per tab and uh, extend their supply because we we paid uh, we paid 50 bucks Uh, for these four hits and we ended up eating two hits each and just and got yeah got the got the mildest of 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 buzzes and that's 25 bucks you know yeah and
2: that's such a letdown not not you know obviously from the financial end it's bullshit but it's such a letdown when you have that level of expectation and anticipation it's like you know what to expect
0: yeah I I wouldn't mind spending 100 bucks for a hit of of acid that was you know 300 mics I mean I wouldn't like it but I'd rather spend hundred bucks and uh, and, know and, what you're getting. and get out there than, than you know, twenty-five or thirty conference. bucks.
2: Immediately, so that after all this is done and it's legal and we can buy it, that nobody listened to you. It should not have cost a hundred dollars. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> but you know what? I mean, I would, I, I, I wouldn't want to pay $100 in, in a hundred bucks in in a regulated market. But well, I'm saying, you well, know, know a regulated market get down out of here. Yeah, the point that I'm making it was just it's it's crazy. I mean, I I don't the cost doesn't matter. It's the it's the experience right. that you get.
2: Yeah, knowing that, hey, you know, you're really going to do it, and you know, you paid for that roller coaster ride. Goddamn it, you, you you better get
0: it. Yeah, really. When you when you think you're getting an e-ticket. And it turns out to be bullshit. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a well, major disappointment. When
2: people ask me, the advice I give many more is that they shouldn't bother wasting their time with any of the acid out there because you really don't know what the hell you're getting. And the best bet is to get mushrooms.
0: You're exactly, yeah, you're exactly right. When, I, when I'm uh, out talking on college campuses and the like, uh, I get more questions about hallucinogens than anything else. I mean, pot's pretty much a given. Everybody smokes pots, so and nobody's yeah. really curious about that. But uh, there's there's a high degree of curiosity about uh, hallucinogenics, and I tell them just what you what you basically what you just said. I said you know it'd be great to if you could find some some high high potency LSD, but the likelihood is pretty slim. And college kids don't have that much money, so they're not going to go out and spend fifty bucks, you know, to to trip. So I told them, I said, try, uh, you know, mushrooms. They're, they're generally more readily available. They're certainly uh, cheaper. And uh, more often than not, they're, they're more reliable than the, than the acid you're going to be buying on the street. So you're exactly right. Uh, if you want a, uh, you know, a much more satisfying uh, experience, uh, mushrooms are going to provide that uh, more often than not, uh, more often than uh, low-potency LSD. So I would love to no, you know. No I, potency. No, yeah, no potency LSD. Well, you we know, Groundswell and I, we got you know, we got a little bit, you know, a little, little zing, but at, at, I mean, it's charitable to say that we got a little bit more visual brightness out of the, out of things. No, no hallucinations. Oh, wow, no, tri- yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> you know, I could have stuck my dick in a light socket and got that kind of brightness. <laughs> But uh, so I mean, we tried to put a positive spin on it. But at the end of the day, it was it was uh, it was a pretty depressing, uh, Holy crap. depressing situation. Hey,
2: one of the fun things in uh, last time I was over in Amsterdam, they changed they changed the laws over there. Yeah, you can't those, get mushrooms uh, anymore. Still sell yeah. mushrooms? They they have to sell them fresh now.
0: You can no, uh, it's it's completely against the law.
2: Oh, is it now? Oh, yeah, they've man. they've
0: repealed Not the whole stupid. deal. Oh
2: no, Jesus, they're stupid.
0: Yeah, well, no, they anyway. did it. You know, they did it for all the all the wrong reasons. You know, some right. young chick right. from. Poland or something jumped out of a window, and Americans go over there and eat them, and Not then really, they go yeah. to the bars and drink, and you know, give us all a black eye. But my we'll my sources
2: people,
0: oh, yeah, my my sources tell me that even though they're no longer legally available in the in the smart shops and the like, finding them and buying them is really no more difficult than it used to be. Um, I'm shocked. Yeah, I'm shocked. <laughs> totally shocked. Totally <laughs> so shocked. Didn't he make laws?
2: Yeah, Didn't they to- make laws? Yeah.
0: Come on. Exactly. So, holy oh, shit. And also, an, L, an LSD is is uh, is pretty easy to to get over there. Right. My last trip, I I screwed up. I think I had an opportunity to get some, but I but I uh, I didn't pursue it as well as I should. But I'm going to be going back this spring or summer. And, and for all you DEA out there monitoring this bullshit, yeah, exactly. I'm going to bring back some LSD from Amsterdam if I if I can. I will. And uh, you it's know, it's going to be in his anus. <laughs> You're right, it's going to be up my ass, exactly. So, <laughs> you know, have at it out there, you little screaming uh, fucker. Well, but it, but uh, yeah, go ahead, Brian. The fun
2: thing, last time I was in Amsterdam, they were still legal. And, you know, we were doing the usual stuff of just having fun, touring around, going to museums, uh, high, obviously, everywhere we're going, we're just having fun. And uh, I walked by one of the smart shops, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is great. So I went peeling in there. And the cool thing was that the uh, uh, the, the clerk was very well informed, as, as they all are over there, and they had an in, instruction sheet basically saying, hey, th- this is what this is about. These are the kinds of things you can expect. These are the kinds of uh, things that are uncomfortable that you may or may not experience, and if you do, don't panic. Here's how much you take. This is how high it will get you.
0: That was perfect. But, I mean, in the glass case, you had the whole nine yards.
2: Yeah, and... and they're like, oh, wow, holy shit, somebody's actually telling me how to do this correctly. You know, you can't even get that out of alcohol in America.
0: No, drink <laughs> responsibly.
2: Yeah, what the hell is that? You know, really the the cigarette that one's eat. even better. You know, the Surgeon General has declared that uh, cigarette smoke contains carbon monoxide. <laughs> oh, shit. You know, wow. Yeah, how the, does the, that help?
0: The last time I was in Amsterdam, they were, they were still uh, legally available. So you walk into the smart shops and, you know, they're all nicely lit, like a fucking CBS. Yeah. And they got a big glass case. And under the glass case, there were like six or seven varieties of mushrooms told you, told you what the trip was going to be like, you know, mild, medium, heavy, body, visual. They, you know, like you said, they give this complete rundown and everything, exactly what your dose needed to be to get the desired effect. And it was great. And I think I, I bought uh, the last mushrooms I bought over there. They were called uh, philosopher's stones, and oh, cool. uh, they were very good. They kind of almost had like a, a walnutty taste to them. They were the, they were the Yeet. least vile of all. Because you because like, you're <laughs> right. They did. They had to sell them <laughs> in their natural state. They couldn't dry them or, power oh, right, or crush yeah. them or anything. You had to sell them in their natural state. Um, you know, these philosopher's uh, stones. They were you know they were very good. I think I paid. I paid uh, 17 euros, and uh, my wife and I split the uh, the container of mushrooms. So it was a it was a, you know relatively inexpensive uh, uh, afternoon, and pff, we got we got really high. You yeah. know, it was a nice good body rushes, some you know, mild visuals, and it was a it was a very nice time. So,
2: well, that's fun too because you know, I, I took some too. I mean, I'm gonna no doubt about it. And, you know, I didn't want to trip while I'm walking around the street. It's hard enough walking around there without getting killed by the buses. I know, I mean, those
0: silent bus killers, you know. You've got to oh, really shit. pay attention over there, those tra- those trolleys. trolleys.
2: So listen yeah. up, kids. Take a low dose. You can find out what it's like, and you cannot get hurt.
0: Right. <laughs> but just, just be careful of those fucking trams, man, because they will sneak up on your ass. Every year, at least one person, generally a tourist and most often an American, gets killed by walking into a tram.
2: I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at
0: all. But, yeah. <laughs> and the, yeah, the my money says they're stone to, stone to the bone, too. Yeah, exactly. Because you can't hear those fucking things, man. Nope. Nope. It's like treacherous city, treacherous.
1: So anyway, when was the last
0: time you were in Amsterdam? Um, 2002, maybe? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think 2002.
0: Well, it's a great it's a it's a great city, and mo- and most people think incorrectly that Amsterdam is just this free for all, real liberal, anything goes place. But actually, their politics are fairly conservative.
2: Yeah, and and as people, they're you know conservative in their own ways, but they don't inflict that on others. That's the key. Of- yeah, they, they
0: understand that you know recreational drug users, by and large, pose little or no threat to to the local population, local society. So they said, "Fuck it," you know.
2: Yeah, exactly, and and that's a that's a really fun segue. Um, the cool thing about the opium den is that you can admit out loud that you do these things. Uh, it's still very difficult for people to do that, clearly, because it's frowned upon to to at least admit it anyway.
0: Well, that relates to your post over in the drug uh, over, over Pete's place in response to Ethan Nadelman telling everybody to come out of the closet.
2: Um, say that one more time.
0: Well, yeah, the, there was a thing on over in Pete's place, the drug warrant. Yeah about Ethan Nadelman talking about everybody coming out of the closet and talk right. to your talk to your friends and neighbors and shit about your drug activity, like yeah you know, <laughs> okay Ethan, you, yeah. you you go first, motherfucker. Yeah, Dr- exactly. even, well, even in private conversations that guy gets all tongue tied talking about getting high. So that's you I, I said get rid of him. Yeah, yeah I mean, shut the fuck really? up Ethan.
2: The missing element, the real missing element in drug law reform is is the actual drug users. And it's still unbearably difficult to, to take the chance and make that sacrifice to say that out loud.
0: Yeah, but the We've point is it, people like I've you done. and people like me who take that chance and speak out loud, the drug policy reform leaders, you know, treat us like mushrooms, you know. Well, so-
2: they, yeah, they, 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 they're not living up to what they're saying. No. And, and normals just as bad. I mean, they get got the same problem. It's like, okay, you come out and you say, hey, here I am. And they don't give a shit. You get cricket noise back from them, it's like, well, wait a minute, this this is what you're telling everybody to do. Now, what the hell am I supposed to tell anybody? Oh, yeah, do what Ethan says. Get up there and just, just tell everybody. Well, he's right that you should tell everybody. But the problem is, we're not getting enough, enough people to do it until organizations like the DPA and Normal actually stand behind the people who do it. Yeah, if, get off this medical shit marijuana
0: shit, from. man. Talk about the whole yes, McGill. Yes. Talk about the joys of getting high. Talk about how much fun it is to do LSD in a proper setting and... And, yeah, and, and things and like that. Why
2: can't we have a voice at the table, and especially we're needed, and the ones out of us, the ones who do it, uh, you know, clearly well, we have a voice, even if we have to make our own. Uh, the word's getting out, and it's important to keep that momentum going, and the, and the, the quote-unquote leaders of drug law reform have to capitalize on that, because if they don't, they basically reveal themselves as irrelevant, and bye-bye, who cares, get out of here.
0: Yeah, for years they've wanted our money, but not our our. Are they didn't want us in the room, you know, because oh my yeah. God, we're drug users. But yeah, they've so always they've always the money, wanted honey, our we'll money. Take care of everything. Yeah, give us your money and shut the fuck up.
2: Yeah, so that's why I said shut the fuck up and started doing what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, and now and now they're calling on us all to come out of the closet. I mean, yeah, what the? It's, well, it's that's crazy. the fun
2: thing about your show. Now you get out there and admit it. You're not seeming to suffer too many of the consequences of having done all these illegal drugs. Um, you know, you do sound mentally retarded at times, but you let your
0: <laughs> well, that's because I haven't done enough LSD. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it's under cold medicine. Man, that stuff will kill you. That's right. Uh, but to be able to say it out loud and to have actual people who are who are not afraid to say it, who who don't have any damages, who are people who contribute to our society, that's the key to success. That's the only piece that's left that's not out there. Now, in the marijuana arena, uh, I'll do a plug real quickly, if I might, for two organizations. Please. One, uh, Lester Grinspoon, everybody should know who Lester Grinspoon yeah. is. If you don't Google it, Google is your friend. He has a, uh, two, a pair of sites that he does that are essays from people who want to make a contribution describing their experience with marijuana, in, in some cases as a medicine, and in other cases just because it's really fun. And that's one vector for people to announce this about themselves, and a lot of people will use their actual name. And there's a lot of safety in doing it believe it or not because when when people google their names you should always google your own name and most people don't have anything to fear if they google their own name there's not going to be a direct path to them as a as a doper uh, so it's it's really kind of safe to come out in some of these venues lester grinspoon sites i believe is one if you do uh, one of them's called marijuana rx i think i can't remember what the other is but if you just go google lester grinspoon uh and if you don't find all the Lester stuff, just go, just go that way. Yeah, he's a good guy. The other guy. one is Mickey Norris runs an organization called uh, Cannabis Consumers Org, uh, and that's their website, CannabisConsumers.org. That's a place where people are willingly coming out of the closet. They're supplying pictures of themselves. A lot of them are supplying their full names, information about themselves. that makes them readily identifiable. Uh, it's a similar scenario there that, uh, for the most part, for most people, it's fairly innocuous and they can remain somewhat anonymous and come out at the same time. So the key is if you've got these pools of these people who are doing this why is why is normal and, and MPP not going to these organizations and these people and saying hey you really you said something here you're, you're talking from your heart this is, this is what it means to you you're a normal person you contribute help us come out here and, and make some statements for us or something you know call attention to the people that are doing it uh, and, and there are the pools right there so any listeners out there, get, you know that, take that vector. Take as many vectors as you can to, to say it out loud and, and point to examples of other people. And, and you know, you'd be surprised. This is kind of in a lot of ways. Uh, Ethan Naderman said something that was really ironic uh, in terms of describing where we are with uh, drug law reform policy. He said basically we're like the gays were in the 60s or some shit. Uh, great. That's when they were being blacklisted. That's fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Who,
0: who do we, we got to blow in the White House to, to get the same recognition that the, that the gay and lesbians are getting? I mean, well, hang
2: on a second. You know, everybody's saying everybody's championing that cause. Hey, look, the gay and lesbians are making progress. Well, yeah, kind of, but in some ways, they're they're really getting hosed because they're actually making amendments against gay people. Do we want amendments made against us as drug users? we should. Uh, let's not hold the gaze up as, as the shining example of, of where we are in terms of success. We are much farther along in terms of success than the gays are right now. You know, there well, are not people screaming to make amendments to their state constitutions to ban the marijuana plant or, you
0: know. Well, it, effectively, effectively they have. But, you know, speaking in that venue, you knew who Eric Sterling is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's he's got a new video out. Oh, cool. Uh, well... Yeah. Okay. Well, right there, you told me that you kind of think Eric Sterling's okay. I think well, he, he does some good things. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I kind of think he's a pompous ass, but we have a history. Everybody is. But, yeah. I know, But we have a history together. But <laughs> oh, okay. uh, he's got a video out. Apparently, it was. Uh, it's got f- foreign subtitles on it. Uh, he's speaking in English, but he's doing another uh, giant mea culpa for his uh, for his culpability back in the 70s and 80s no, in, in helping write all these draconian drug laws.
2: Okay, less apologizing, more activity.
0: Yeah, and, and plus, you know, the, th- the thing is, he he's, he's a double dipper. You know, he, he's making money on both sides of the issue. For years, he, he made money writing all these laws, and then he got, you know, had some epiphany or whatever. Maybe he fucked a hippie chick or something. Who the hell knows? <laughs> but, he, but he had this epiphany, change of heart. And now he, now he goes around and, uh, you know, gets, gives speeches, gets money, talking about, uh, you know, how, how sorry he is for all that shit. Well, you know, fuck him. Let's yeah. walk, you know, He's not doing anything. I mean, I don't think that many people know who the fuck Eric Sterling is outside of our little incestuous uh, clique of drug policy reform leaders. Nobody knows who Eric Sterling is. So you know, this guy's running around making money, basically, by apologizing for being an asshole.
2: That might be uh, the way to do things. Hmm. Let's see. Let's see. Hey,
0: well, I'm really sorry, man. I only fucked two chicks that worked for me. Yeah, really. Well, yeah. When, when Rob came and he said, well, man, it's only, it's only, the, second, it's only the second chick I've banged since I've been here. Give me a break. I'm thinking, you simple, stupid motherfucker. Here's
2: what I'm thinking. Hypersexuality, huh? Yeah. What does this mean? You know, like I get several balls really? a day and I have to do something with it. Really?
0: Them. You know. Well,
2: here's the thought. If he's going to go to sex rehab, if you go to drug rehab, it means you can't do drugs anymore. Right. Okay, Rob. If you go to sex rehab, you can't have sex anymore.
0: And that's what I said earlier. Do they neuter him, or just take one nut? What do they? What do they? How do they cure I don't think that They were shit? nuts there to
2: start with, but you know, I <laughs> off the rest. I
0: don't know. Who knows? I mean, how do you dehyper your sexualization? I mean, what, what's that's what's involved kids. in that? Do they put you, you know, put kind of electrodes on you, and every time you see a picture of a hot young chick, you're, you know, they. The, the electrodes go off up your ass. I mean, how do they, how do they change that hypersexualization? What, what, what treatments do they have for that? Estrogen <laughs> estrogen, yeah. <He'll, laughs> yeah, yeah he's not <laughs> a very good looking guy as it is. out, he'll come out of this sensitivity training <laughs> a little prettier and, and you know with nicer tits.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we have one that on weed. Yeah, he can, well, he wait, can, he can you hit on smoke? himself.
0: He can hit on himself.
2: Yeah, does he admit that he smokes?
0: Does he smoke pot? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's 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 conflicting statements on that. Some people say yeah, some people say no. I've never. There should
2: d- be no doubt. That I've never done.
0: Pot. That he smokes pot?
2: He sh- no, he should do it, and he should say it out loud. You want some credibility in the movement? You want to be a leader? You sing it out loud.
0: Yeah, but none of them should... do. None of them do. Like I said, I know, and, and they've got no a person. hard time admitting it in private conversations. That's why they're leaders. Yeah, I was trying to talk to Ethan Nadelin about the joys of getting high. And he was looking around like, you know, looking for a microphone or a hidden camera or waiting for Alan Funk to jump out behind the bushes. I mean, he was just, he was stricken.
2: Well, again, this is why I suggest these are not leaders. These are managers of of, uh, philanthropic uh, tax write-offs. They're they're not leaders. You know, they have no capability for actually creating... uh, a coherent framework in which to accomplish this task. If they were capable of that, they would have done it a long time ago. Now, maybe around the you know, 2002 or 3 time frame when I started haranguing them for not doing it. You know, let, let's go. What the fuck is wrong with you people? You know, if you want to be leader, now is the time to step up to the microphone.
0: Well, here, here in, in, in that vein, you know Gary Johnson, right? You know, yeah. okay, yeah. former governor of New Mexico, two-term right. Republican. And he's always, been, he's always been an advocate of repealing drug prohibition. Mm-hmm. But now the fucker's got a new gig, and uh, he's positioning himself, and this is stated in his website, he's positioning himself to run for the Republican uh, presidential nomination in 2012. Right. That's what he's, but he's, but he, he's modified his, his drug policy stance, whereas he used to be uh, all for the repealing of drug prohibition. Now he just thinks we should legalize marijuana and, and fuck all the other drugs, keep them illegal and keep building prisons and keep the drug war going.
2: Yeah, well, he's succumbing to the political pressures. Exactly. And it's wrong to do so. Exactly. So, hang on. No, some of us have to call his attention to this. You know, the, the, the thinking in the political classes is that you can't say any of that shit right now because America's not ready for it.
0: Yeah, that's well, bullshit. Well, here's,
2: here's the angle you take on it. You have all the ammo you need to defend your position. And as the leader, that's your job. Your job is to go out there and say, look, this is what we're doing, and I'm basing this decision on this information. This is why we're doing this. Now, the, the key is, oh crap, I lost my train of
0: thought. That's okay, man. <laughs> Quit smoking yeah. so much dope out in the woods, Brian. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, you know, but what do you what he really needs to be able to do is to to challenge this whole notion of countering to the political winds. The whole idea is that what's wrong with our government is that you, they just go with whatever the hell the political favorite thing of the month is instead of coming to logical, coherent decisions. You know, and this is where Obama's failing everybody. He promised he would get out there and use science. Well, he's not. No. Okay, well, the, the key to win he's a is a fucking to get loser. out there and use science and do it and show people what the hell that buys you. We need, we need an intellectual revolution in this country, and it has to be led by coming to terms with idiot decisions that were made by stupid people a long time ago. And that's the key. We're not responsible for making these decisions, but we're all responsible for allowing them to be continued, continuously inflicted against our, our people. Yeah,
0: we have to live with the consequences.
2: So he could get up and stand up and say, look, we have to destroy this drug war crap, and here are the reasons why. I understand your concerns. these are the data that we have that suggests that our concerns are are misplaced and these are the mitigations that we could do to further ensure that we can try to contain this and it's not that hard you know all of the shit is there They have been collecting the data for 40 goddamn years Uh, and and really that was the drug uh, czar's job is to collate that information and not use it against the American people and then use it to make money but to say hey wait we looked at this let's stop doing it and we all know every commission that was ever hired to take a look at it and came back and said, let's stop doing this, got shut down.
0: Yeah, Webb, Webb's deal, you know, Senator Webb, the Mr. Judiciary Hope. Committee uh, voted unanimous, unanimously to approve his Senate Bill 714. Now, it's not approved by the full Senate, and this probably doesn't mean anything. Plus, his commission has been watered down to the point where they can hardly even mention the word drugs. Yeah. But – uh you know, these, these commissions mean, mean shit. We saw, you, you've, been, you've watched them ever since Nixon did his commission. They recommend uh, decriminalizing or legalizing pot, lightening up on all the other shit, and they're, they're routinely ignored. I yeah. mean,
2: It's like, okay, well, there's your chance. You want to play leader? That's what America needs right now is a leader. No, leader we don't. just going to go out there and say, here's what's going on. You know, we have all this information. This is what we're going to do, and this is what we think will happen as a result of doing that. And that, you know, the, the usual horse shit they're doing about making reaching across the aisle. Yes, we're reaching across the aisle and yanking each other.
0: Yeah, reach around. Yeah, it's
2: pathetic. It's sickening. You know that the the American political machinery has has become so diminished. You know, maybe maybe it's not fair. Maybe it's always been that fucked up.
0: Well, um, I, I but mean, but there we- are moments. No, no, nobody, nobody's got the balls. Uh, nobody yeah, in Congress just, has the balls to, yeah. to take. I mean, they, they, if they only knew how much support they would get, it'd be like this guy, Scott Brown, winning up in, in Massachusetts. It'd be like, whoa, what the fuck's going on here? You know, everybody loves yeah. me. If they, if, well, if,
2: I think it was because he hated the
0: other one so much. Well, Coakley, she was, she was just such a... Oh, she was pathetic, man. I mean, yeah, the deal that, remember the, the Emerald case, the child molestation case back in Boston? Yeah. Yeah, she was, she was at the end of that deal, and she was just an abomination against that family. I yeah. mean, she was crude, rude, and even after the Supreme Court of Massachusetts said, let these fucking people out of jail, this is the biggest travesty of justice we've seen in our history in Massachusetts, she still fought to keep them in jail and succeeded for at least two or three years on the yeah. on the son uh who, who was who was convicted. So for that reason alone the woman should have been rode out of out of town on a rail. So I don't know about how Scott Brown's gonna pan out or anything, but uh I I'm so glad that uh that Coakley got her ass beat that I can't see. Another cease one bites today. the dust. Yeah, another yeah, one bites the dust. I think yeah, the, I think but, a lot of people are gonna be biting the dust in, in uh the two thousand twelve midterms.
2: I hope so but the, or the 2010 excuse is me always to, to get it across somehow what is the actual reason that the one person won and the other didn't you, you don't really ever get to find that out you just find out okay they won and then everybody interprets it as well It must have been because of this yeah oh well, all right maybe not you know it, people are not going to be all that honest most of the time when no, they're he, talking about behaviors that are considered private he won he because won he,
0: won he got more votes. votes
2: yeah exactly good enough move on um I think that that there's a big void right now in terms of leadership and not just, you know, American government, but clearly in the drug reform movement, and I've been saying this for a long time. I think that more and more it's becoming obvious that the way the drug war is actually going to end is going to be through the Herculean efforts of individuals, and in some cases individuals who are able to band together successfully with a clear mission to end the thing completely uh, leap being one of the shining examples, but there are also a lot of different um, organizations that are done at the local level and state and regional kinds of levels, um, uh, drug policy forums of various sorts that are being run by uh, just individuals. and With the internet and the ability to communicate to massive amounts of people in a variety of ways with all these different messages, uh, gives us everything that we need to, to actually create success.
0: Well, the biggest component that's missing, I think we have the enthusiasm and I think we have the, the ability to coalesce and, and, and group together. The thing that's really missing, the thing that the politicians need, is money. We're not, we, we're not funded. Our voices it may be strong, it may be unified in a lot of ways, but we don't have the money to lay on these fuckers.
2: That's not how to change it, man. You have to, you have to change it through mass revolt kind of shit, you know, a peaceful mass revolt. That's the kind of shit that gets politicians' attention. Nothing makes them more scared than having 150,000 people marching up and down Pennsylvania Avenue. That is fucked up if you're the guy in charge. So we have to get to the point where enough people are motivated enough to go do that and coordinate everybody in, in that direction. Once yeah, we're it's, a, messages, it's
0: almost a sadness that we, that we have to rely upon stoners because this, well. historically we're not exactly off-the-couch type people.
2: That's but, the stereotype, uh,
0: right? That's the stereotype. All yeah. right,
2: stoners, prove us wrong. Are you just a bunch of lazy slack you out of assholes on the couch or are you gonna get up and do something? Well, well I think I think the internet the
0: I think the internet can replace the hundred and fifty thousand people on Pennsylvania Avenue. No, at some point. Maybe you not that completely. Match. Maybe not. Oh, no, yeah, you, you, we're going we're to need the bodies, but...
2: Right, but in the near term, everything's working. Everything is going exactly as it needs to go, which is to get more and more people access to the information, more and more people interested in it, more and more people engaging in the dialogue, and it's already happening right in front of our faces.
0: I wonder how much more frustrated we're going to get, or we need to get, before we really start doing subversive shit.
2: Well... That's just really a really huge danger. If, if we get some kind of an, uh, a really difficult uh, social stressor, um, something something really uh, on a calamitous level occurs in America. You know, something along the lines of what's gone on in Haiti. You know, if that happens here, and, and, and not necessarily as a natural event, but maybe something else, uh, the, the amount of stressors that we have, uh, oh, shit. that's twice
0: that's twice now, Brian. (laughs) We're we're going to have to put groundswell on if you keep losing your train of thought, and I can't remember what the fuck you were talking about. We need to retire our asses to the corner and put groundswell on to end end this show tonight. Oh, holy crap! Uh,
2: Well, uh, I usually get them back. Um, Yeah. So, how frustrated do we have to get? I don't know, you know, with, with so many people losing their jobs, and that's, the ripples of that are still going out there, the assholes that are still getting rewarded for it, like, holy fuck. We, we sold ourselves out uh, for, for cheap goods, so everything that we used to actually produce is being done somewhere else, and we got nothing to do. Well, that's one of the problems with creating utopias, where nobody has to do any work. Holy fuck, you got all these people who can't work because there aren't any jobs and they can't make any money to do anything. So right now our society is completely stressed out. That's another vector that we have for trying to get our word out there and making people come to their senses.
0: Well, if we've got enough people out there that are unemployed, that don't have anything else to lose and with a lot of time on their hands. Yeah,
2: it's not like you're getting a job. You're not pissing in a cup. Hey, come on out. Come out. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> now talk about it out loud. Go for it. You've got nothing to lose. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, yeah.
0: Well, okay, Brian. So I'm going to roll this one up because I don't want to put any more nickels in the, in the wave streaming machine. I appreciate you doing that so I don't have to sound foolish
2: again next time I lose my train of thought. No, that's
0: okay. I just <laughs> want to, I just want to <laughs> reiterate your your uh, your position is that uh, Rob Campia and the Marijuana Policy Project, as well as Normal and, and the Drug Policy Alliance, all of the supposed uh, drug policy reform leaders out there, you're of the persuasion that they're uh, next to worthless, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not. I'm not far away from that position myself either. What what, what, what what do you think, Groundswell? Get over here, man. Speak Speak into the magic box. <laughs> we'll give We'll give you almost the last word tonight, Groundswell.
1: Well, I think the scandal that's unfolded is um, unfortunate because even if the organizations we're talking about are not really effective, we need all the help we can get, and any scandal like this is a distraction which is going to make things even worse. But on the whole drug front, I had look at it at a different level. I'm more concerned about the government telling me what I can and cannot ingest in my own body, in my own place uh, where I live. And so that's where I look at the, the uh, restrictive laws and, and the uh, prohibitions on drugs as being an error. Uh, I think it's really a loss of one of our freedoms of what we are allowed to do in privacy of our homes. And who is to say you can't put this in your body or not? Assuming you have informed consent and you're not hurting anyone else, uh, I think you should be able to do it. So that's my take on kind of the regulatory. So,
0: so, groundswell, are, are you ready to get out and and stand up and and shout that I want my LSD! <laughs> I want my TAC!
1: Well, that's a tough one. You're right. You have to draw the line, and you're either for it or not. When you come out of the closet and you're going to be in the public eye, you do take risks uh, for you know the people around you and so on. Uh, it depends on your stage in life, your state of mind, and um, how committed you are to the cause.
0: Well, between the two of us groundswell, this year we're going to have 120 years between us. I think we're both heading towards 60, right? That's correct. I'll, I'll be sixty in June, and you'll be sixty in November. September. Yeah. Mm-hmm. September. So, how old are you, Brian? Well,
2: uh, you know, I was just getting into hearing you guys reminiscing the old folks' home. Uh, <laughs> the old folks' home. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently,
0: you're not sixty years old. <laughs> I'm
2: fifty three in March.
0: Well, fifty three. Well, 11. I mean, you're. So we're all. We're at the point now where you know we can just squawk outside and say, you know, fuck you. Arrest me if you don't like what I'm saying. But we. We'll, we'll get we'll, we'll get Granswell Granswell's out great. there screaming for his LSD one of these days soon.
2: Well, it, it, uh, Granswell made a really awesome point that I agree 100 percent with in terms of you own yourself. That's,
0: That's right. Like he, that, his you. point was
2: to operate this machinery.
0: His point was very salient. We own our bodies, so shut
1: the fuck up.
0: So we don't really have to go down this, the road of hey, I want my
2: LSD. We get on the road of, hey, I want my body. Yeah, I want my and body as back. As part of yeah. getting my body, I am willing to stand up for your right to do LSD or jump out of airplanes without parachutes or whatever the fuck else amuses you to the extent you do not cause direct harm to an unwilling other. Amen. Period. That's it. I mean, that's my main motivation in all of this shit. I, I served a, a very long time in both active duty military and, and government uh, service roles, and I take it seriously, man. I swore I would defend all of us. You know, I, I'm not a, f- a fan of certain drugs. I've tried everyone I could ever get my hands on. Uh, certain drugs I really like. Other drugs I couldn't care less for. But yeah. you know, Fan to the death. Everyone's right to make their own determinations about what they think they should do. To you know, we own. should
0: we should start a we should start a, a group, veterans against the drug war.
2: Yeah. Why not? Well, We're, you know, there's so many fucking groups, man. That's one of the other things that drives me crazy. And it's yeah. Not show like, holy fuck, how many different groups? Jesus Christ, man. like, god damn You don't need all these groups. No, Get you're right. Message. Get the message out there. Look, yeah. stop doing this. It's fucked up. It's fucked up economically. It's fucked up from the point of view of what it means to be an American and our Constitution. It's fucked up from the entire human rights realm. It's fucked up from the international realm. Uh, it's completely fucked up, and it's obviously completely fucked up. So when something's completely fucked up, you don't have to try and clean it a little bit at a time with a brillo pad. You blow the fucker up. I agree. I agree. And that's why we gotta keep doing it. We gotta keep hammering that message home. We gotta keep telling people to stop wasting your fucking money, sending it to those idiots in charge of the organizations and just do stuff yourself.
0: And when all when all else fails, do do two hundred and fifty micrograms of L (laughs) S D. Well, you might want to try three hundred sometimes. Well, three hundred. <laughs> I get at this at this point. I'd say give me four hundred. I mean, what the what the fuck? I don't think I ever took more intentionally. I don't think I ever intentionally took more than about five hundred micrograms. I you know that remember that four way window pane? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. oh I, I, I I took one of those and it was it was supposed to be a heavily loaded deal, but I I met a guy in Switzerland that, that by accident took seven thousand mics. Oh my God! Yeah, he was. <laughs> but he, he, he didn't have to wear a name tag or anything. But he he said he would never do. He miscalculated. He thought he was doing because he had liquid LSD. He was from the old Brotherhood of the Eternal Love Days out in Laguna Beach. Oh, okay. He had a liquid in his in his dropper. He he miscalculated. He thought he was taking uh, seven hundred mics, and he ended up taking seven thousand mics. Oh my God! He, he said he sat out. He sat out on his back porch. And once it came on for like, after it came on for the first hour and a half, he couldn't see anything but this huge, intense, bright white light. He couldn't see anything, anything else. And he said he was just uh, on the edge, on the complete fucking edge, thought he was going to die, lose his mind, everything. But then he said, he said, said, when that passed, it was a pretty good ride. Yeah,
2: no shit. (laughs) No, seriously, he saw God. If you read the accounts of different people, and not always induced by, by different plants and, and chemicals, but natural inducement through whatever methods, if you read those kinds of things about people that have those kinds of experiences, that's what they see. Hey, yeah, I saw and, God, uh, man. I people saw people God, God my first they were, time. They were tricking a long time ago. They said, hey, you know, you, you do this and you, you see God.
0: If you're lucky, you get to see God. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and, and you times. will be surprised. <laughs> Wear your seatbelt. <laughs> Buckle up, baby. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I've never done that much and I uh, can't think of any good reason to. <laughs>
0: no i would uh I would probably uh keep i would re- restrict myself in the future to doing more than no more than three hundred mics yeah but yeah, I, no, I i if would you're do young that and stupid you do that shit. yeah I would do that tomorrow I'd have no problem with that yeah same here well okay here. brian we're gonna we're gonna close it up tonight uh I'll pass along your uh your goodbyes to groundswell groundswell you want to come over here and Give your, give your last uh, see you later Brian. shit. <laughs>
1: well, you know, the only other comment I would make on the LSD funds, it is true that in the past couple of years, the content that seems to be in a dose is much, much less than what I remember back in the day. Uh, and at this stage of the game, when you're only doing it once a year or maybe twice a year as a special occasion, you really want to have that 300 micrograms you want that that experience it's you know, you know only in an anniversary type situation so it's unfortunate that uh that the high potency uh isn't really out there and uh i just hope we come across something that would change that in the future so all of you opium
0: den uh, listeners out there all of my den head buddies if you know uh where where the where the good lsd is you know somehow get me a message go to facebook send me an email and uh, we we will work something out. So Brian, I want to thank you for uh, for calling in tonight. It's always a pleasure having you on the show, and uh, uh, we'll do well, it again. You, we'll do it again next time. All right?
2: Uh, absolutely. I always have a blast. Grantswell, thanks for uh, chipping in. It was great to uh, have another voice out there, and I'm looking forward to getting together with you two guys when we can get legal LSD in such doses and having fun.
0: And we'll just eat them up and trip the light fantastic. Totally. All righty. Put See you, Brian. Phone, <laughs> <laughs> All right, take care. Later on, bye. Bye right, bye. Okay, there you have it, uh, Brian Bennett, uh, frequent uh, contributor, and he's been a an hour long interview guest inside the Opium Den, and I want to thank him for for coming in tonight, and uh, I also want to thank my uh, my good buddy Groundswell for. Uh, coming down this week and uh, uh, doing uh doing an acid trip with me, even though know, you know you all know it wasn 't all that great, but you know, it uh it had its moments, so I want to thank uh groundswell for uh, for for coming inside the studio tonight it's been fun i 'll see you next Thursday, and as we always do at the end of the show we we uh let you know what our motto is here inside the opium den, and that is when good people obey bad law. Bad law never changes.